Amen. They didn't want me up there. They wanted Eddie up there. Praise God. Genesis chapter 12, verse number 10. Genesis 12, 10. Sister Sissy came up to me and says, Pastor, what number is that? <laughs> My writing is not the best, and uh, so we're praying that God will help me. Amen. Genesis 12, 10. Hallelujah. And there was a famine. Somebody shout famine. That was in the land. And Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there. For the famine was grievous in the land. And I want to talk tonight on this thought, the mistakes of our past. The mistakes of our past. God bless you. you may be seated. There are two types of people that never make a mistake. And that is the dead and the unborn. We live in a world that is surrounded by mistakes. Mistakes of life, mistakes of choices, mistakes of the past, Mistakes physically, mistakes emotionally, mistakes that embarrass us, mistakes that ruin our witness, mistakes that you can't escape from, mistakes that haunt you and robs you from true victory and true deliverance. The mistakes of your past, mistakes that mocks you when you begin to lift up your hands and pray to God. Mistakes that laughs at you when you begin to try to do something for the kingdom of God. Mistakes of your past that is always around you when you begin to pray. It haunts you. It cripples you. It locks you into a prison cell. It binds you. It torments you. And it doesn't want you to be free. It doesn't want you to be healed. It wants to destroy every aspect and area of your life. It wants to keep you down. And that is the mistakes of our past. Can I tell you from the beginning of creation until now, mistakes are made. Adam and Eve made it. Abraham made it. Moses made it. Gehazi made it. Samson made it. David, a man after God's own heart, made a mistake. Peter made it. Judas made it. The rich man made it. The Pharisees and Sadducees always made it. The prodigal made it. The rich young ruler made it. Demas made it. The greatest mistake of his life the Bible even pins it with these words. Demas hath forsaken me, having loved this present world. We can't get away from the mistakes of our past. Judges 15, 20, and he, Samson, judged Israel in the days of the Philistines 20 years. It's pretty remarkable. 20 years, Samson stood strong. 20 years, Samson judged Israel. 
20 years, Samson stood for God. But in a moment, the mistake came. Judges 16 and 1, Then went Samson to Gaza and saw their harlot and went in unto her. The greatest mistake of his life is when he gave into his flesh. We don't remember the 20 years of judging. We don't remember the 20 years that he took a stand. We don't remember the 20 years that he lived for God. We just remember the mistake that Samson made. Genesis 12, 10, we read in the very beginning, there was a famine in the land and Abram went down into Egypt to sojourn there for the famine was grievous in that land. Notice where Abraham went. Bible says he went down into Egypt. And we know that Egypt is a type of the world. And Abraham is the father of many nations. We sing that Sunday school song, Father Abraham have many sons. Many sons has Father Abraham. I am one of them and so are you. Father Abraham, yet the Bible says that he goes down into Egypt in a moment of weakness, in a moment of not knowing what to do. He makes a very huge and very costly mistake. He goes down to Egypt, not up to Egypt. He goes down to Egypt. You'll never go up to Egypt. You'll go down. And I submit to you tonight that Egypt does not have the answer. I'll go a step further. Egypt can't help you. Egypt is not the place to turn to. I know it may look good. I know it may seem right. But this world doesn't have your answer. Listen to pastor tonight. When you're at your spiritual low and you're completely drained spiritually and emotionally, you better be careful where you go. You better be careful what you indulge into. You better be careful in the associations that you keep. We cannot and we must not go to Egypt in our moments of spiritual famine. Be careful where you turn during your famine, during your trial, for it's in our dry places that we become the most vulnerable. And Abraham, the Bible states, was in a famine. And the lure of Egypt was appealing to Abraham. And so he goes down to Egypt and he leaves the land of Canaan to go to Egypt. He leaves the land of promise to go to Egypt. He leaves his altar to go to Egypt. He left the very place that God met with him daily. He left the place where God would speak to him daily just to go to Egypt. Isaiah 31 and 1 says, Woe to them that go down to Egypt for help and stay on horses and trust in chariots 
because they are many, and in horsemen because they are very strong, but they look not unto the Holy One of Israel, neither do they seek the Lord. And it was in that moment, it was in that decision that Abraham made up his mind, I'm going down to Egypt instead of seeking God. Because Egypt has horses, Egypt has chariots, Egypt is very strong. I'm going to Egypt. And he makes the greatest mistake of his life. The very choice that he made not only affected him, but it affected his family and our nation when he made that choice. Because we know that Abraham's wife, Sarah, follows her man to Egypt. And the Bible says that while she was there, that she picks up an Egyptian there by the name of Hagar. She picked up a piece of the world in the time of famine and she brought that mistake into her home. All because of a mistake that Abraham made to go down to Egypt. Genesis 16 and one, now Sarai, Abram's wife, bear him no children. And she had a handmaid, an Egyptian whose name was Hagar. Where did she get her from? I'll tell you where she got her from. She didn't get her from Canaan. She got her from Egypt. And Sarai said unto Abram, Behold, now the Lord hath restrained me from bearing. I pray thee, go in unto my maid, and it may be that I may obtain children by her. And Abram hearkened to the voice of Sarah. You see, they both wanted God's promise to come to pass that he would become what? The father of many nations. But somehow it was not happening on their timetable. Sarah is barren, but this Egyptian that they took from Egypt, they can use Hagar. And so they tried to force the promise open. And they took matters into their own hand. Verse three, and Sarah, Abram's wife, took Hagar, her maid, the Egyptian, after Abram had dwelt 10 years in the land of Canaan and gave her to her husband, Abram, to be his wife. And he went into Hagar and she conceived. And when she saw that she had conceived, her mistress was despised in her eyes. What she thought was a good idea became a birth of another mistake. And after Ishmael was born, it didn't take long for Abraham to realize that a mistake had been born. Verse five says, And Sarah said unto Abram, My wrong be upon thee. I have given my maid into thy bosom. And when she saw that she had conceived, I was despised in her eyes. What they took from Egypt, it got into their home. It got into their marriage. It got into their relationship. It got into their promise. 
the mistake of their past. It got into their miracle. And Abraham saw his miracle beginning to slip away. The prophetic word of God now disappearing because he made a mistake. Can I tell somebody tonight, there is an adversary after your soul. He is watching you. John 10.10 says it, the thief cometh not for but to steal kill and destroy. The enemy doesn't care anything about you. It only wants to take you out. It only wants to destroy your home and to kill you and your family and your marriage and your kids. It wants to kill your miracle. But thank God it doesn't end there. I understand there's a thief. I understand I made a mistake. I understand I veered a little bit too far to the left. But thank God, I've got a God that has come to give life and give life more abundantly. Can I tell somebody tonight, we can't change the past. We can't change yesterday. We can't change the mistakes of our past, but we can change today. We can change our present. We can change right now. At this moment, the God of glory can step into our lives and he can change our direction. I've got news for somebody. This is a new day. This is a new season. Forget about your past. Forget about your hurts. Forget about the pains that this life has dealt you. And embrace a God that loves you and is concerned about you. But pastor, you you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've been involved in. You don't know the places I've been involved in. You don't know the sin that I've been involved in. I may not know it, but there's a God that knows it. You understand that? Pastor may not know, but God knows. And he's not up there in heaven with a big old club gonna hit you over the head. No, he says, all thee that are weary and heavy laden, come unto me and I will give you rest. I'm telling you, you've got a God that believes in you even when you don't believe in yourself. And he's concerned about you. I believe the Bible says something like where Sin abounds. Grace much more abounds. What does that mean, Brother Bill? I'll tell you what that means. That mistake that I made, that I thought God would never forgive me, that a choice I made that I thought God would never forgive me is the very thing that it says, hey, my blood's bigger than your mistake. 
My blood's bigger than your past. I don't care what you've been involved in. I don't care what you've said. What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Somebody ought to clap your hands up. Somebody ought to raise your voice to a God that loves you. And is concerned about you. Genesis 17, 15 says, And God said unto Abraham, As for Sarai thy wife, thou shalt not call her Sarai, but Sarah shall be her name. God's given her a name change. God's not going to let the adversary Keep that mistake hanging over her life any longer. God says, tell your wife, understand you made a mistake, but Sarah, you'll never be. Sarah, you will be. I'm going to change your name. This woman that made a mistake, this woman that messed up, God said, I'm going to bless her. Then what verse 16 says, and I will bless her. And give thee a son also of her. Yea, I will bless her. And she shall be a mother of nations. Kings of people shall be of her. Jesus said, I don't care about her past. I don't care about her shortcomings. I'm going to make her the mother of many nations. You've come too far to tell me that my God can't forgive. You've come too far to tell me that you're a failure and you'll always be a failure. I've got news for you. His blood, his mercy, his grace is for everybody. Verse 19, and God said, Sarah thy wife shall bear thee a son indeed, and thou shalt call his name Isaac. And I will make and establish my covenant with him for an everlasting covenant and with his seed after him. What God was saying was that mistake will not haunt him anymore. Ishmael may have been born out of a mistake, but Isaac is coming forth from a miracle. What God was saying was, I don't care about your past. I don't care about the mistakes. I've given you a covenant and an agreement that I'm gonna birth inside of you a miracle. Can I tell you tonight, there is a God that wants to give you a brand new start. There's a God that wants to mend every hurt and every pain. There is a God that loves you and believes in you. That right there ought to make everybody shout. The God of glory believes in me. Bible said he's no respecter of persons. I don't even believe in myself sometimes. But I got a God that believes in me. 
I don't care what the naysayers are saying. I don't care what the so-called friends of my life are saying. And I don't even care what the family members are saying. I've got a God that loves me. I've got a God that has forgiven me. I have a God that hung there on Calvary's cross to give me a new start. I've got a God that's able to break the curse out of my seed and bring a blessing over my future generations. That's what Corinthians 5, 17 says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. All things are passed away and behold all things become new. It's a do-over in life. That's what God wants to give to every one of you. Don't let the devil, don't let the adversary beat you over the head of what you've done and what you haven't done. And don't let yourself Yeah, I said yourself because we want to blame the devil for everything. We want to blame the adversary for everything. But many times it's not him, it's you. And if God has forgiven you and if God has wiped away your past and wiped away your sin, you want to throw your shoulders back. You want to raise your head high. You want to throw your hands in the air and embrace the fact that God has given you a new life that God has showed up to take away all the past mistakes and give you a birth of a miracle. Somebody ought to clap your hands. Somebody ought to lift your voice in this house. Come on, lift up your voice in this house tonight. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you for your love. Thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your grace. You've forgiven me, God. I ought to forgive myself. I ought to wake up and realize that he that the Son has set free is free indeed. Stop walking around in grave clothes. Come out from that grave clothes and understand that God has forgiven you. Oh, would you lift up your voice in this house today? Come on. Don't let that mistake hold you captive any longer. Don't let that mistake put a yoke of bondage around your neck. Let that fall. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Romans 8, 35 through 39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine? Famine got Abraham in trouble. Famine caused Abraham to make a mistake. Famine's not going to separate you persecution, nakedness, 
or peril or sword. As it is written, for thy sake, we are killed all the day long. We are accounted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him that loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Come on, you got a God that loves you. You got a God that loves you. Hallelujah. If I don't get another raise on my job, if I don't get another promotion, if I don't get another blessing from heaven, I still got a reason to shout. I still got a reason to rejoice because God has taken away the mistakes of my past. Oh, lift up your voice in this house today. Don't let hell intimidate you. Don't let hell hold you captive any longer. Come out of that prison of doubt and fear and worry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Oh, I love you, Jesus. Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost in this house. I feel the power of God in this house. I don't care what anybody else says about you. There is a God that believes in you. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Why you always get so loud, Pastor? Why, why you always got to scream? Why you always got to worship? Why, why you always got to praise God? Because he's been good to me. Because he's taken guilt and depression and loneliness away. He's given me peace and joy and love. I'm telling you, I've got a lot to be thankful for. And you say, Pastor, I've really messed up. I've really done things that I can't get away from. God's here for you. God's designed this service for you to be free from this. Once and for all. Jesus sent the disciples away. They wanted to go and be involved in ministry. They wanted to lay hands on people. People fall out. They wanted to look and speak to dead. Let the dead arise. They wanted the power to lay their hand on the deaf and them to hear again. 
They want the same power that Jesus had to touch eyes that were never opened to begin to open again. They wanted that same power that Jesus had to rebuke all the devils out of individuals. So they go out there with their head raised high, their shoulders back, maybe have a little swag in their step. Their ministry, they're the chosen 12. I'm gonna go do ministry. The problem was, it wasn't about him, it was about them. They wanted the prestige. They wanted people to say, hmm, they got the power. But somehow down the road, Brother Frank, everyone they prayed for, nothing happened. Demons laughed at them. Paul we know. Jesus we know. Who are you? They come walking back to the master with their head low and shoulders shrugged, almost discouraged for knocking on doors and nobody wanting what they had. And they get there and they start telling their sob story why this didn't work and that prayer didn't work and all the mistakes. And Jesus looked at them and said, don't rejoice that the demons are subject to you, but rather rejoice that your names are written in the Lamb's book of life. I don't know what you're looking for tonight. I don't know what your goals are, your dreams, your aspirations. But my goal is heaven. My dream is to see him. And I know I don't deserve to feel what I'm feeling. I, I know I don't deserve even to hold a mic and be able to preach, but there was a God that shows me mercy. I don't deserve it. It is the unmerited favor of God. That's what mercy is. And His mercy endures forever and ever. I'm here tonight to call for an altar call. Not for men and women that have everything under control. But I'm reaching for somebody that needs to know that their help and their strength is all in Him. And there's a God that loves you. There's a God that hasn't forgot about you. He's heard every prayer you've prayed. And he wants to let his blood shower on you tonight. Would you lift your voices in this house tonight? Would you let God begin to unveil his mercy and his grace? Would you allow God to speak into your life? I'm here to break that curse. Here to get you out of those grave clothes. Here to let you know there's a better way. There's a better road.
here today to set you free. Oh, lift up your voice in this house today. Don't let the mistakes of your past hold you captive any longer. But let tonight be a celebration night. I'm coming out of this. I'm breaking off those chains. I'm coming out of that prison cell. I'm going to forgive myself. I'm going to allow God to forgive me. I'm going to walk in newness of life. I'm going to allow mercy and grace and goodness to follow me all the days of my life because I want to dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Let God wrap his arms of love and mercy around you tonight. Oh, lift up your voice in this house. Oh, I think it'd be fitting tonight for us just to find a place to pray. It could be at your pew. It could be at this altar. But for you to make up your mind, I'm not going down to Egypt. Egypt doesn't have anything that I need anything that I desire. I'm running after Jesus tonight. I'm running after his love and his mercy. I'm running after him tonight. Oh, these altars are open. Why don't you make this house a house of prayer? And why don't we connect tonight? God, search me. Search the cracks and crevices within my heart. God, let your blood flow through my veins tonight. I want to come out of it, God. I don't want those wounds, those past mistakes to haunt me any longer. But God, tonight, I'm coming out of it. I'm embracing you tonight. Come on, let God begin to create in you a clean heart. Let him begin to renew in you a right spirit. Let him begin to transform you by the renewing of your mind. Oh, lift up your voice. Lift up your voice in this house. I love you, God, today. I love you, God, today. I trust in you. I trust in you, God. I give it to you, God. All my dreams, all my hopes, God.
Lift your voice and sing. There's a God that loves you, believes in you, and wants the best for you. That's why he said, today I set before you a blessing or a curse. It's up to you to get what you want. It's all a matter of choice. But understand this fact that my God is bigger than my mistake. Rejoice not against me, oh my enemy. For when I fall, I shall arise. And when I sit in darkness, the Lord shall be a light unto me. You've got a God that believes in you. God, we love you today. We thank you for your word. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. I pray, God, that your children would leave here knowing that you paid the ultimate price for them. God, that they'd understand they're no longer defined by their past but now they're defined by the blood they've applied under their lives by the blood you shed from us that made us free 
Thank you for your love and your mercy and your grace. Thank you for new life, abundant life in you. We love you today, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Stay here as long as you like and pray. It's a hallowed place. Those of you that need to go, God bless you. I love every one of you. Jesus' name.